0: Our God has never lost a battle, and he wants to give you the power to win your battles. And every one of us are fighting some battles today. And I want you to know your God's not gonna fail you now. So let's just pray and thank him that he's here right now, and he wants to give you a personal and powerful word. Dear God, we come before you and we thank you that even though we walk in here today, Lord, after fighting a lot of battles, We have a lot of struggles and stresses, problems and pain, but we thank you, Lord, we come in here today to get a realignment, Lord Jesus, a little readjustment to see what's really true and to see your good perspective for our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for your power and your strength. And when we begin to look to you and how great and powerful you are and how much you care about us, our problems, Lord, come into perspective. So we just pray over the next few moments that you would just speak a word to our hearts that lifts us up, fills us with hope, heals us in our deepest wounds, and works miracles in our lives. I pray for everyone, Lord, worshiping at our satellite campus, Atascacita, and everyone worshiping through our broadcast and online campus. Wherever they are in the world, and everyone here in the Woodlands, from the Woodlands to the world, Lord, we ask you to be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Computer technology has come a long way in the last few years when it comes to virtual reality. And I know it's just the beginning, I can't even comprehend what's to come when it comes to virtual reality. One of my kids recently got some DR goggles and I tried it out and when I put them on, I found myself on about a one foot wide beam about 100 feet in the air and it felt so real. When I started to walk across the beam, my heart started to race, my legs got real wobbly, I started to lose my balance but I was brought back to reality when I heard a lot of laughter as my family was laughing at me, not with me. And then I took off the VR goggles and I came back to reality. And yes, VR is not reality, but the Bible teaches us that what you see and what I see is not complete reality either. For there's a whole unseen world that is very real, that goes on all around us, that the human eye just can't see. There's a whole world that many times we're unaware of that we can't see with our physical eyes. There's a supernatural battle going on all around us. We just can't see it. It's God versus Satan, good versus evil, angels versus demons. It's this cosmic conflict that's going on all around us and many times we're completely unaware of it. And some of the battles in your life are spiritual battles. Some of the struggles in your life are supernatural struggles. That's why we're starting a new series today that really is all about putting on our spiritual reality goggles so we can see the unseen war that's going on all around us and we can see God's power to win every battle. I'm calling the series Fight to the Finish because it seems at times like every day is a battle. Every day is a fight, and some of you are battling with doubt today, and some of you are battling with despair. Some of you are battling with conflict and disunity in your marriage relationship or your family. Some of you are battling with anxiety, some of you are battling with depression, some of you are battling with your finances, some of you are battling at work, some of you are battling with grief and it's just a fight to stay standing each and every day. Every one of us are fighting battles. And I'm not saying the battle you're facing is all caused by Satan, but usually there's a spiritual warfare component to every fight we face. And I want you to see what God's word has to say about it. As we kick off this series, I'm really excited about this series because it's gonna open your eyes to see true reality, to see what's going on all around you. And if you don't understand these principles we're gonna be talking about the next few weeks, then you're not gonna understand life. You're not gonna understand why problems and difficulties have come your way. You're not gonna understand how to win the victory and every battle that you face. So would you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six and would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church, and just follow along with me. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. You can be seated. Focus on that phrase that we're calling our whole series, fight to the finish, because as long as you're on this earth, it will always be a fight. There will always be a spiritual battle that you face. Now, it's not virtual reality, it's true reality. But here's the good news, God has given you the strength for every struggle. God has given you his power for every battle that you face. Now, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter six today and really break it down, do a little study of it because it's all about spiritual warfare and how God wants to give you his power for every battle. In Ephesians six twelve, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now focus in on the first part of that verse. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now most of the time, we think that our struggle, our conflict is against another person. Maybe it's against a coworker, our boss, a friend, a family member, We think that the conflict is with another person. We get focused on another person and what they're doing to us and and how we're in conflict with them. But really, it's a cosmic conflict. Our real battle is not against another person. It's against spiritual powers. For those of you who are married, have you ever gotten into an argument with your spouse and you've been arguing for so long that you can't even remember how it all started? But it's created so much disunity and disconnection and confusion. That's because Satan is the author of confusion and disunity and disconnection and bitterness. And we have to be aware of that because he wants to destroy your relationship. And if you're not aware of that and you think the conflict is with another person, then Satan's going to really hammer you. You're not gonna win the battle that you're facing if you don't realize who the real enemy is. And by the way, for those of you who are married, your mate is not the enemy. You're on the same team. You need to realize that and be united against the real enemy. Well, if our struggle is not against flesh and blood, who is it against? Who is the enemy? Well, the scripture here says, the spiritual forces of evil. That's the devil and his cohort of fallen angels. And by the way, next week, we're gonna talk about angels and demons, and I think you're gonna be really encouraged to see how God uses his angels, his messengers, to watch over you and to protect you. It's gonna be a really powerful message next week that'll encourage you and lift you up. Now, when it comes to spiritual warfare, there are two extremes that many Christ followers get stuck in. The first extreme is those Christ followers who feel like that Satan is behind every problem that comes their way. They feel like a demon is behind every struggle that they're facing. And they blame Satan for all their problems, struggles, and sins. But this takes the responsibility away from us and gives the devil more power than he really has. But the other extreme is where most Christ followers fall into and that is they're totally oblivious to the spiritual battle that's going on all around them, and Satan is just having a field day, you know, really bringing destruction in their lives because they're not even aware of the spiritual battle. They go through each and every day fighting battles not even aware of God's power to win the fight because they don't know who they're fighting against. You see, the devil doesn't run around in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork no the bible says he's a beautiful angel of light that really started this whole cosmic clash in heaven look at it with me in isaiah 14 12 this describes satan how you have fallen from heaven morning star son of the dawn you've been cast down to the earth You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. You see, Satan was this beautiful angel, this angel of light, this powerful and beautiful angel, but Satan had an eye problem. He said, I should be God. He was blinded by his pride and tried to be God, and that's really our basic problem as human beings. You know, we want to play God. We're blinded by our pride. We have an eye problem. I want to be God. Whenever you try to control something that's uncontrollable, you're really playing God. When you try to control all your circumstances, you're really playing God. When you try to control other people, you're playing God. When you try to control your image, you're playing God. When you try to control your pain by anesthetizing your pain, you're playing God. And so that's our oldest problem as well. We're trying to play God because of our pride. And really, when you Boil it all down. Most relationship problems, most marriage problems come down to two people looking through a selfish lens, only seeing their perspective, only feeling their feelings rather than empathizing with the other person, never seeing the other person's perspective whatsoever out of pride, being blinded by pride. Really, it's just two people, two selfish people fighting for their way. That's what it comes down to. Now Satan was a beautiful and powerful angel who wanted to be God. But then the scripture says, you have been cast down to the earth. Now most people think the devil lives in hell, but no, he doesn't. Now one day he'll be cast into hell, but he doesn't wanna be in hell. Hell was made for the devil and his fallen angels. But he's not in hell right now. God cast him down to the earth. And so he's here on this earth trying to cause destruction. Now one day he'll be cast into hell, and one day his time on this earth will end, and the scripture says he knows that his time is short. But he's not in hell yet, and we need to be aware of that. Now some people mistakenly think in this spiritual war it's a battle between two gods, a good god and an evil god, Satan but that's not the case at all because it says that God cast Satan down, that God threw him out of heaven and so we need to see there's only one God. God is all powerful, Satan has limited power. God is all present, Satan has limited presence. God has all knowledge and Satan has limited knowledge. There's only one God and it's not you, it's not me, it's not the enemy. There is only one God and God is for you if you're a Christ follower. And God fights for you and God wants you to be on his side because he is for you. Well, Satan's power is limited but he does have power so we need to be aware of that power. We need to be aware of who the real enemy is and we need to be aware of the enemy's strategy. If you don't know what Satan's strategy is and it's always been the same from the very beginning, with Adam and Eve, and with you and I today. His strategy has always been the same. If you know the enemy's strategy, then you can win the battle with God's power. In World War II, General Patton defeated General Rommel, the Desert Fox, in a really decisive battle in the desert. And later, Patton would say, I beat him because I read his own book. He had read General Rommel's book on tank warfare, and he knew the strategy of his enemy. We need to know the strategy of our enemy, and as I said, it's been the same. It's still the same. He always starts with deception. He always starts with trying to deceive us with a lie. In John eight forty four, it says, from the very beginning, the devil was a murderer and has never been on the side of truth because there's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, He is only doing what is natural to him because he is a liar and the father of all lies. So he's the father of all lies and he's always lying and the first lie he'll tell you is he'll lie about who you are. He'll say you're no good, you're worthless, God can never use you. Anytime a thought comes into your head that says you're worthless, you can't do it right, You'll never get it right, you'll never be enough, you'll never have what it takes. Anytime you hear that in your mind, that's not you thinking it, that's the enemy putting that in your mind. That's the enemy who puts those thoughts into our minds. And sometimes there's a person, maybe a parent, maybe a teacher, someone along the way, maybe a friend, maybe a boss at one time says, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never make it. You'll never be worth it. And then those things get magnified by the enemy. He uses all of those things that happen to every one of us, and he starts filling our minds with lies about who we are. And then he'll lie that you're the only one. That's the second lie that he tells us, and it's a lie that he uses all the time. You're the only one who struggles with what you're struggling with right now. And you walk into church and he will whisper to you, you're the only one in pain right now. Look at all these happy people. I mean, everything goes great for them. Look at the praise team. Look how they're smiling and singing. I mean, everything's perfect for those guys. But I'm going through pain. He'll tell you you're the only one going through pain today. He will tell you, you're the only one struggling with what you're struggling with. You're the only one going through grief today. He'll tell you, you're the only one who's carrying huge burden today as you walk into church. He'll tell you, you're the only one that's filled with worry. You're the only one that's dealing with depression. You're the only one that's dealing with anxiety. You're the only one going through what you're going through. You're the only one struggling with addiction. Because if he can convince you that you're the only one, then he isolates you. And when the enemy can isolate you, he can really bring destruction in your life. But I want you to know, you're not the only one. In a church this size, I bet there are 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, 1,000 people who've gone through what you're going through. And there's many who are going through it right now. Everyone carries a hidden hurt. Everyone carries a burden. Just with different depths and different burdens, but every one of us carry wounds and hurts, every one of us have struggles. You need to realize you're not the only one, that's a lie from the enemy. And then he will lie to you about who God is. He'll lie to you about who you are and say you're no good when Christ says that you are righteous, you're a child of God. That God loves you no matter what. If you're a Christ follower, you're totally forgiven. But he'll say, you know, you've sinned again, same old sin. God's not gonna forgive you for that one. I mean, God's so tired of you. God can't stand you. But who you are, you're a child of God. You're righteous in Christ. You're totally and completely loved. Whether you do great things for God or whether you sin, God's love for you never changes. It just hurts him when I sin because he knows it's destructive to me. But but you need to recognize that God's not done with you. God has a purpose for you. God has made you more than enough. You are worthy because of what Christ has done for you. You have what it takes and can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so You've got to believe the truth over the lie. But then he lies to you about who God is, and when you're going through pain, he'll say, where's God in this? You know, God's nowhere around. Does God really care? I mean, you'll think that you're thinking it. Does God really care about me? Does God know what's going on with me? Where's God in this situation? And Satan will Bring those lies to you, you think it's you thinking it, but it's not, it's Satan putting those lies in your mind and in your heart, and God wants you to bring them to him and go, God, where are you? God, I don't get it. God, this makes no sense. God says, it's okay to bring that to me so that I can give you peace in the middle of it, so that I can clarify some of the confusion that you're going through. And then he'll say, well, God doesn't have the power to meet this need and that's why we try to take it in our own hands and play God and try to control it because we think, I'm not sure that God can handle this one. I don't know that God can handle this problem in my finances. I don't know that God can handle this problem at work. I don't know that God can really deal with this big burden that I'm facing, I don't know that God can do this one. And so we take it into our own hands, we try to control it and we just make a mess of things. But Satan loves that. He loves to lie to us about who God is. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. The first couple, that's what he did. He said, God said you're not supposed to eat from the fruit of this tree. That makes no sense. You know, I mean, the fruit is amazing in this tree. In fact, if you eat it, you'll you'll be like God and, and God just doesn't want the best for you because he's afraid that you'll be like him and You know, he doesn't want that to happen, so he's lying to you. He's just trying to keep you down. He doesn't want the best for you, he's not for you. He's trying to trick you, and they believe the lie. And they took a bite of the apple. And that's what he'll say to you, God doesn't want the best for you, God doesn't know what's best for you. That's why you need to really take care of yourself. That's why you need to do what you feel is right. That's why you need to make decisions on your own because, I mean, God, he, he might just send you overseas to be a missionary to people who are gonna kill you right away. That's probably what God will do. I mean, he'll tell you all kinds of crazy things. If you give your life to God, he'll make you a spiritual nut. He'll make you crazy. If you give your life to God, you're gonna be so bored You're not going to have any fun. I mean, he will always tell you things like this to get you all confused. He will lie about God, then he will lie about sin. He's an angel of light, and he makes sin look really good. He's a beautiful angel of light, and he makes sin look beautiful instead of ugly. And so every time I sin, it's because I'm believing a lie. I'm believing that, hey, if I do what God said I'm not supposed to do, then it's going to bring fulfillment and it's not that bad, everyone's doing this, it's, it's no big deal, and I'm just believing a lie. And God says, don't do this, because I love you. You see, sin, it's not that sin is bad, it's that you weren't made for it, it's destructive to you. God created you, and he wrote the owner's manual for your life, and that scripture, and so if I follow the owner's manual, then I work best. But if I don't follow the owner's manual, when God says, don't do this, he's not saying don't do it because it's so bad and you'll be bad. No, he's saying don't do this because you weren't made for this. It's like putting a fork into an electric toaster. It wasn't made for that. The electric toaster, it wasn't made to have silverware be put in it. It was made for bread. And that's the way sin is. You weren't made for sin. That's why it's so destructive to you because you weren't made for it. And he says, don't do this. You're not made for this. This will take away your fulfillment. This will steal away your joy, and there's pleasure in sin for a season, but it always ends in destruction. But Satan will lie to you, and so every time I sin, it's because I'm believing a lie. So he wants to deceive us. We need to be aware of that. And then he wants to distract us and confuse us. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, "'For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace.'" So every time I feel confused about a decision, confused about a situation or circumstance I'm in, it's because Satan is bringing confusion to me. Now, I can't help it when I have confusion brought into my mind and into my heart that Satan may be the one bringing that because he's the author of confusion. But then I can turn to God and find peace in the confusion. I may not know exactly what to do next, but I have peace because God's going to guide me when I bring the confusion to God. You see, it's not saying, well, I shouldn't have confusion, that's from Satan, no, just bring your confusion to God. When you hear that lie in your head, just bring it to God. Keep bringing it to God because he loves you and he's for you. So Satan will want to deceive you, he'll want to really distract you and confuse you. And one of his favorite tools for distraction is to use the word tomorrow, it's his favorite word. You see, when God speaks to you and wants you to do something, to take a step of faith, Satan will agree with him. He uses this tool all the time. He will agree, go, Yeah, you really need to do that. Yeah, that's exactly what you need to do, but but you really can't do it today because you're so busy. So do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Now, that's his favorite word, tomorrow. Yes, you really need to trust Christ. Maybe in this service, God is speaking to you. You're watching online, or you're right here on the Wilderness campus, or you're at a task of seed, and God's speaking to you, and, and you're feeling the Holy Spirit just kind of knock on the door of your heart, and you know you need to receive Christ. You know you need his forgiveness, and you're feeling, I need to trust Christ. And I can tell you what Satan's gonna do is say, yeah, you need to do that. That's a great decision. You need to do that one day, maybe tomorrow. That's what he does. And maybe you know you need to take the next step and be baptized. You've received Christ, but you need to be baptized to show your public profession of faith. Scripture commands it. And Satan will say, oh yeah, Scripture is exactly right. You need to be baptized, but today, not a good day. You're not even ready to do that. And so maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, Maybe in a few weeks. He he will always say, tomorrow. Oh yeah, I know I need to tithe. I feel like I really need to tithe. Instead of go, yeah, you do. It's in scripture and, and God's gonna bless you. Yeah, you'll be so blessed. So you ought to do that someday. Do that tomorrow. Start that tomorrow. That's his favorite word. But God's favorite word is today. He says today is the day of salvation because it's the only day that we know we have. Today is the day, that's when life change happens. Not tomorrow, but today. But Satan will try to distract you. And then the end result of his strategy, it's kind of a 3D strategy. It's deception, distraction, and then destruction. That's where it always ends. God has a purpose for your life, but so does the enemy. In John ten ten, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Make no mistake about it. Satan's whole purpose for your life is to steal away your joy, to kill your passion, to bring destruction in your life, to destroy your relationships, to destroy you, to destroy your family. That's his whole purpose. That's the enemy's strategy. But he to start with destruction. He always starts with deception. And we have to recognize the enemy's strategy. But most importantly, we need to be aware of the outcome. We need to be aware that God has already won the battle. Christ has already won the war. He's won the victory. Satan's a defeated enemy. I need to be aware of that because that gives me victory when I stand in Christ's victory and know that Satan's already a defeated foe. It says in Ephesians six thirteen, therefore, put on the full armor of God that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. The word stand is mentioned three times here. Stand, stand, stand. That means you don't have to go out and fight Satan yourself. All you have to do is stand in Christ's victory and what he's already done. If you go out to fight Satan yourself, you're gonna get knocked out in the first round. All you have to do is stand. You don't have to attack Satan, you just have to stand on Christ's promises. You stand on Christ's victory because when Christ died and rose again, He defeated Satan and death. He defeated all of Satan's schemes. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and the enemy himself, and so Satan is a defeated foe. He's a lame duck, folks. He's like a politician who's been voted out of office, but he's serving out the last month of his term. He's a lame duck. He's like a sports team that's been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but he's playing out the regular season, but it is meaningless. He's a defeated foe and all we have to do is stand. Stand in Christ's victory and claim Christ's victory on the cross. Don't let Satan beat you up by believing his lies. And by the way, God's given us some armor and some weapons to use to stand. As we stand against Satan, God has given us everything that we need, all the armor, all the weapons we need to win the fight that we're fighting right now. But it reminds me of some of those video games where you know, you're know, you trying to fight the enemy or the monsters or whatever they may be, or the trolls, whatever it may be. And, and so all along the way, you collect the weapons and the armor that you need to fight the next enemy. It reminds me that of what we do as Christ followers. We've collected all these weapons. Really, God has given us all these weapons and all this armor to protect us, but we're not even aware of it. It's like you've got all these built up in the video game, but then you fight the enemy without using any of them because you've forgotten that you have them. And so what are the weapons that God has given us? What is the armor he's given us? Well, look at the next verse, Ephesians 6:14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. What is the belt of truth? The belt of truth holds it all together. It's God's voice. God's truth, God's word. That's how you stand when the enemy lies at, lies to you. You just repeat back God's truth. You just say, yeah, I feel like I'm worthless right now. Yeah, I feel like I'll never have what it takes. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel so unworthy right now, but that's a lie. That's a lie because I'm righteous in Christ. I've been made worthy because of Christ. God has a good plan for my life. God still has a purpose. God still has a plan. And so you speak the truth from God's word. That's why you need to know God's promises and God's truth about who you are, about who God is. But then it says the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness, that breastplate, that's protecting your heart. And Satan wants to wound your heart. That's what he's all about because he's afraid of a Christ follower living wholeheartedly, living with a wide open heart. When we live with a wide open heart, there are times that we're wounded. And so he will wound you at times and God will allow it at times. We don't understand that, but there's wounds that will come your way. Satan tries to wound your heart so that you'll cover up your heart and you won't live wholeheartedly. Because his greatest fear is a Christ follower living wholeheartedly for God, with his heart wide open to God to receive the blessings God has and to give of his heart to those around them. That's what Satan fears the most and so he wants you to close down your heart so he'll try to wound your heart but the breastplate of righteousness protects your heart. And so what is that? That every time your heart gets wounded, you remember that you are righteous in Christ because of what he's done and that he suffered and you are joining him in his suffering. And in this, on this earth, you will have suffering. On this earth, you will have pain and wounds at times, but it's okay, just as Jesus, when he suffered, lived with his heart wide open to his Father and lived with his heart wide open to all of us to give us forgiveness. That's the only way to live and find fulfillment is even in the pain, live with your heart wide open. But Satan will wound your heart. Maybe it's what someone says to you along the way that hurts so deeply. And maybe it's rejection that you've been rejected by someone. Maybe it's failure. But he will wound your heart so that you wanna cover up your heart and not live from your heart. But you got the breastplate of righteousness. You are righteous in Christ and Every time your heart is wounded, open it up to him. And as you open it up to him, he'll help you open it up to others. You'll receive the blessings that he gives you and you'll be able to bless others. But then let's go on. In Ephesians 6.15, it says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It says, with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. That is, are you ready to walk across the room to share the gospel with someone? Are you ready? Do you really know the gospel that you've received as a Christ follower? Are you ready to walk across the street to invite your neighbor to our Easter services? Or or just walk across the field to invite a friend at the ball game that your kids are playing at? to come to church this Easter and and experience the gospel of peace. Our feet should be ready. We should always be ready and always looking for that opportunity. And then it goes on to say, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You see, Satan is always shooting these flaming arrows at us. And what we have to do is take up the shield of faith. And the shield of faith doesn't mean that you have great faith, it means that you have mustard seed faith placed in a great God. You see, faith is worthless if it's just faith and that's it, or if it's faith in yourself, or if it's faith in someone else, they'll let you down. Faith is only as good as the object it's placed in. And so if you place your faith in anything other than Christ, then you'll be let down. But when you place your faith, as small as it may be, all in Christ You have the shield of faith that protects you from Satan's fiery arrows that are coming at you all the time and every once in a while, God will open up that protective hedge, that shield of faith and allow one of those flaming arrows to come in and wound you. And We don't understand all the reasons why God allows those things, but we know through faith, whether we feel it or not, that when one of those hits us, we know it's for God's glory and our ultimate good. We may not understand it all till we get to heaven. But that shield of faith, just keep placing a little bit of faith. And your faith may be really imperfect and really small. That's okay. Just place it all in him. Place it all in Christ, and he'll never let you down. And then it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation, it goes around your head to protect you from Satan's lies. The helmet of salvation is that Christ has saved you, that he has given you a new heart, that he has given you a ticket to heaven that cannot be revoked, and you keep that helmet of salvation on to protect your mind, and then you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's how you destroy those lies, by studying God's word, by doing what you're doing right now, by memorizing God's promises, so when you don't feel it, you stand anyway in faith. And then let's go to the next thing, Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so prayer is the key. That many times we're trying to solve a problem, we're trying to change a circumstance, we're trying to fix a situation, when what we need to do is get on our knees and pray. Because God's hand is moved by the prayers of his people. This church is bathed in prayer. People ask us, what is the secret to Woodlands Church? It's prayer. This church was started in prayer. We had this prayer fountain at the center of the property at the Woodlands campus. We have a prayer fountain at our Tacita campus. Why? Because it's bathed in prayer. Our pastors, starting this week, will pray every day, We'll all gather for 30 minutes and we will pray for Easter. We'll pray for God's blessings for you and on your life and your family and we'll pray for all those coming to Easter that their life will be changed, their eternal destiny will be changed. And we pray for you and we pray against what the enemy wants and we pray for you. This church is bathed in prayer. Prayer is the secret. The problem is many times I try to do something for God when I need to pray and watch God do something. Did you know that prayer's hard? (laughs) Some of you know that, because you've tried it. Others of you, you never pray, so you don't know that it's hard. What I mean by that is Satan would rather you do just about anything but pray. And so he's like, he's cool with you trying to do things for God. He's cool with you trying to go out and change the world in some way. He's cool with you getting involved in different things that look like it's gonna make a big difference. But when you pray, he'll try to distract you. He'll do just about anything to keep you from praying. And you'll think, I'm just too busy to pray. No, you're too busy not to pray. And then maybe you'll see some Christ follower who gets up at 3 a.m. and prays for five hours a day. And you go, man, that discourages me. I feel like a, a worm, you know, in God's eyes but that's because they have the gift of prayer. Don't let that bother you. Just get on your knees, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, pray for your family. Husbands, dads, the way you fight in this battle is you get on your knees and you fight like a man and you pray for your family and you lift up God's name and you pray for the people around you and you fight. That's how we fight this battle. That's how we join God in the victory. We stand and we kneel and we pray. And look at Luke ten nineteen, Jesus said, and I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and to walk among serpents and scorpions and to crush them, nothing shall injure you. Christ, who's won the victory, has given us authority over the enemy. Isn't that amazing? And so we can bind Satan in Jesus' name. You can pray, Lord Jesus Christ, in your name, bind Satan from having anything to do with this situation in my life, with my family, Bind Satan from this decision that we're trying to make. Just keep him out of it in your name, Jesus. And then you can speak directly to the enemy. Did you know that? Don't bow your head and pray. Just open your eyes and speak directly. When you feel the enemy attacking, just say, Satan, in Jesus' name, I command you to get away from this situation because I stand on the promises of God. I stand in Jesus' name. And in his victory, you're a defeated foe. You know, Martin Luther, who started the whole Reformation after the dark, in the dark ages when all the priests were taking money to forgive people of their sins, which makes no sense. And they wouldn't allow any parishioners to read God's word. They said, we're the only ones who can do it. We're the only ones spiritual enough. And then Martin Luther came along and said, salvation is by faith. Like, The scripture says, faith in him, and every one of us are priests of God because of what Christ has done. We can go directly to God ourselves. We don't have to go through another person. And do you think the enemy was after him? Yeah. And there was a time when Martin Luther was sleeping at night, and he felt this oppression from the enemy, and he looked up, and there was Satan himself, and Martin Luther said, oh, it's just you, and went back to bed. That's because he knew he stood in the victory of Jesus Christ. He stood on God's promises, and he knew that he lived in victory because of what Christ has done. And you can stand in Christ's victory. Because of this next verse, John nineteen thirty. Jesus was on the cross, and it says, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished, and with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Notice he said, "It is finished." He didn't say, "I am finished." He said, "It is finished." So what is it? It is Christ's purpose for coming to this earth." He had fulfilled it. It was finished when he died on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven. He died and he defeated Satan, He defeated hell. He rose from, the again, rose again and defeated death. Because it is finished, I can fight to the finish. Because I stand in victory. And I never give up because I fight to the finish. This is a fight, you're in a battle, there's no doubt about it. And some of you know you're in a battle because this week has been a fight. This week has been a battle. It seems like so many things are coming against you but I want you to know you can fight to the finish. And finish your purpose on this earth because It is finished, and Christ has won the victory, and we can stand in that victory in Jesus' name. Do you believe it, Woodland Church? Let's bow together and pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that through your son, we can come directly to you. And Lord, we thank you that you've won the victory. But Lord, we're in a fight, and there are many times my heart gets wounded. There are many times, Lord, that it feels like we're losing. There are times when I feel like you're nowhere around, but I know that's not true. That's just a lie from Satan. And I thank you, Lord, that you're right here right now. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have the power to overcome any problem that I face. I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would remind them that there's no problem in their life so small that you don't care about it. And there's no problem so great that you can't do something about it. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just bring healing and strength and comfort today, that you would just bring your power to bear, to heal our deepest wounds. And Lord, I pray for those who've never received you, that they would receive you right now and say, Jesus Christ, I need you to forgive me of my sins and take me to heaven one day. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, willing Church? (coughs) When you sing praises, God inhabits the praises of his people. And Satan hates it, did you know that? If you wanna make the enemy run, sing praises to him. You say, well I don't feel like it. I don't feel like singing sometimes. I don't feel like singing at times, but when you sing anyway, what happens is the devil has to flee because he hates Jesus' name being lifted up and Jesus being praised. And so when you praise him, God inhabits the praises of his people. And I want you to know that maybe you don't feel God's presence today. Maybe you don't see what God is doing in your life today. Maybe all you feel is confusion and pain and hurt. That doesn't mean that God has left you. That means God is closer to you than ever before. Even when you can't feel him, you can sing in faith and experience God's presence and God's healing and God's strength and God's comfort to you. For he has never failed you yet. He's never failed me yet. Great is his faithfulness. He has never failed me yet and he's not gonna start now. I'm still in his hands. Great is his faithfulness. And He will do it again. Do you believe that? Let's sing it to Him with all our hearts. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.